sir. It's late afternoon as we approach the small house halfway up on the next block now, and here on the front porch we find Mr. and Mrs. Victor Cook. Mr. Victor Cook has newly arrived home from the office, and he's gazing discontentedly at a heap of chains and a wooden swing to which his wife has just directed his attention. You didn't drag this junk up from the basement by yourself, did you? Naturally not. Who helped you? Mr. Gumpark. Why didn't he help you hang the swing while he was about it? What? Nothing. Goodness, how you mutter to yourself anymore? I crooned to myself. See, I love myself. Victor's a sweetheart, I crooned. Victor sure is. Well, gonna take off your coat and put up this swing? Seems to me I'm ordered about in a highly despotical manner. I'll say. Since I'm the party who's saddled with the task of putting up the swing, strikes me I should choose my own time for putting up the swing. What was it the poet Keith said to the poet Browning when he held a dandelion under his chin to determine whether or not he liked butter? I believe history tells us that he chuckled foolishly and twisted his cap into a damp wad. And then... See how jobs get handled around here. All talk and no action. You say you ought to choose your own time. Well, when would that time have been? Next Christmas? Look up and down the block. Every living soul and their brother's got their porch swing up but us. Every living soul and their brother. And here it is, the summer half over. I'll have to quarrel with that statement, Dr. Sleech. The summer is not half over. We've barely gotten our teeth into the summer. Harking back to the poet Keats again, just to point up and round out my point, permit me to quote from his early work entitled My Naked Feet Are Drooping Flowers, Miser Williams. In the third stanza of talk, the... Talk, 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 talk. person gets so tired of talk sometimes. You could have had the darn port swing up by now. You could have been sitting in it by now. I could have been stretched out at full length in it by now. Sure. I don't want to weary you with too many references to the poet Keith, but his biographers tell an amusing story where it seems that he yearned to kiss a certain pretty girl whose name was Sally Sue Skinkletrap. Isn't that a piquant name? Well, anyway, the poet Keats chucked pretty as Sally Sue under the chin and said, I know I'm a bold man. I'm going in the house. In the house? Yeah. You mean I have to put up the porch swing by myself? I hold it out of the basement. I think I've done my part. Putting up a porch swing is a two-man job. It is not. It takes one guy to slip the chains on the hook. Oh, that's ridiculous, and you know it. Mercy, how people will use up energy trying to get out of using up energy. Like old Mr. Bainbridge there in Dixon. Oh, the telephone's ringing. Telephone's ringing. Well, that's Ruthie. Uh, probably Michigan, Michigan, from Michigan, Michigan. Calling Wait, up to that's Ruthie. Out. How on earth can you tell the truth? Because she said she'd call. You're going to answer, huh? Wouldn't you, if you were me? Don't start crying, Vic. Here come a couple of nice helpers. Where? Out in front, Russell and Uncle Fletcher. Hello, fellas. Neighbors, I'm just about to cut a cold watermelon, and there's a big red juicy slice for all. That's right, boy. How are you, Russell? I'm pretty good. What's that green stuff on your shirt? Grass stain. Oh, I thought it was blood. No, grass stain. Pretty weather, Vic. That's the time you hit the needle right on the head. Today is exactly like a day we had in Dixon in 1909. August 8th, 1909. I've never seen two days so much alike. Put them up alongside each other and you couldn't tell them apart. August 8th, 1909. I'll never forget that day. Neither will I. Oh, 
one. He wasn't even born there. <laughs> I don't know whether you guys are familiar with the poet Keats or not, but they tell an amusing little story on him. Yes, well, I wouldn't know anything about that. Yes, Sage. Beg pardon? He's not talking to you. Fine. You holler, Sage. Oh, boy, hot stuff. Make a date. We'll go there. We sure will. Make no mistake. Where's my hat? What's all that? I'm afraid you better tell Fred my foot didn't hardly quit hurting there where the little yellow roses cost me $4 and a tired horse sat on Harold's lap. I just got as much self-respect as the next man, but if nine doctors only give Mrs. Hunkerman 30 years to live, I just can't help crying and gnashing my teeth and Oh, 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 how smart, smart, smart. Oh, you're right there, Sage. Yes, I left the telephone and walked clear to the door here so I could hear what you were telling me. Well, now I can walk back, I guess. I'm all mixed up on what you people are talking about. <laughs> you're just joking. Uh-huh. Have you got the swing up yet? Not quite. Almost, though. So. Hmm. I would put it like this. I would you say... You haven't even touched the swing yet, have you? Not manually, no. However, in a figurative sense, I, I think it may be... I waiting on the telephone. We'll play tonight, then? Yes, let's do. I don't think you'd better handle the port swing, Russell. There's nails underneath that might scratch, and it's a heavy thing and might get loose and fall on your toes. Bye. Kid, kind of a funny thing happened at the office this afternoon. Me and me suffer were standing chewing the rag by the telephone switchboard. I can't keep any longer. Please put up the port swing. The ladies are impatient creatures. Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy. Yes. You probably got old Pete McStingle in mind. No, I have. The Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad and old Pete McStingle. They go hand in hand. They sure do. I'm all mixed up in what you're talking about now. Really, Russell? You said ladies were impatient creatures. Then Uncle Fletcher said Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy. And then you said yes. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. No, it didn't. Russell's a good boy. Uh -huh. If I give you a violin, could you play it too on it? Nope. Ernie Spotter's good. Who's Ernie Spotter? A Belvedere fella I used to know. Give him a violin, he'd play a tune on it. Give him a guitar, and he'd play a tune on it. Give him a mouth organ, and he'd play a tune on it. Uh-huh. One day, a bunch of the lads that hung around the section gang's tool chanty decided they'd play a joke on Ernie. They got hold of an anvil and wrapped it up in oilcloth and tied some string around it and give it to Ernie and says, Ernie, play a tune on this. What'd Ernie do? Nothing. He just sat there. Well, what's the point? Yes. I'll tell you another wild stunt Ernie Spotters pulled off. He bought a pair of shoes and wore them to work every day for six weeks. Then took them back to the shoe store and tried to get the clerk to exchange them. Did the shoe clerk do it? No, sir. The shoe clerk says, Brother, I don't know whether I can whip you or not, but if you're not out of here by the time I count to 15, I'm sure going to try. Well. Ernie Spotters. Dead now. Loved apples and hated fish. Right-handed and left-handed both. His cousin gave me a box of candied pineapple on Christmas by mistake. I ate it. You gonna put up the porch swing? Yes, I thought I would. Looks like a real good one. Oh, it's good enough porch swing as porch swings go. We're the only people in the block that haven't got a porch swing in their porch. Well, we remedy that in a hurry. Another funny thing about Ernie Spotters, he never trusted smoking tobacco. Chew, yes. Smoke, no. He thought smoking tobacco would explode. Max, what was the name of that man that Mr. McLeod was telling Well, 
Shoot. Yes. Smoke? No. Can you hear me? Yeah. What was the name of that man Mr. McClellan was telling us about that said he worked at the same bank with Fred in Clinton, Iowa? Hooch. I know Hooch. Say it again. Hooch. I know Hooch. Vic. Hooch. Hooch. Vic, I know Hooch. Ruthie wanted to know. Hooch. Harry Hooch. The Hooch I knew was a woman. Minnesota Hooch. And here's a coincidence. I just got through telling you about Ernie Spotters that would chew but not smoke. Minnesota Hooch's brother George was the other way around. He'd smoke but he wouldn't chew. Yes. Smoke? Yes. Chew, no. Uh-huh. Ernie Spotters. Chew, yes. Smoke? No. George Wu? Smoke? Yes. Chew? No. That's right. It's a topsy-turvy world. Chicago Burlington and Quincy. Yes, Chicago Burlington and Quincy. Hey, now, wait a minute. Smoke? Yes. Chew? No. There's a lesson there if we want to learn it. Yes, indeed. Are you going to put up the porch swing now? Why, yes, I think I will. Four swings are Danny for sitting in. You can't beat him. A rock or something's right under my foot. I think I'll take my shoe off. Do that. Fine. You are going to put up the four swing now? Yes. I wouldn't know anything about that, of course. But I do recall another odd peculiarity of Ernie Spotters. Ernie used to take an ordinary kitchen mop. I bet the telephone company will complain before long we're wearing out their wires. Oh, yeah, yeah. grab that chain, Uncle Fritz. Oh, Thank you, Martin. Oh. get on that telephone. We just sit and talk our heads off. Grab a hold of the poor string. I will. No, you won't get that chain. I got my shoe off. But that don't hurt. It does, too, hurt. That's why I took it off. Uh, How long did we talk that time, Dick? Must have been close. I took my shoe off, Sadie. You haven't got the porch swing up yet, huh, Vic? Uh, no. Get out of the way. Uh, say, I know... Get out of the way. Can I help put off the porch? Get on the railing or someplace, Russell. All right. Sadie, I was just telling Vic Would here you about... stand over to one side, please, Uncle Fletcher? Fine. I'll take care of this. Oh, Sadie, get, get, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Everybody, get out of the way. Thank you.